I call this the elevator speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your elevator pitch for acupuncture? I actually, I went to my 20-year high school reunion, not to give my age, a few years ago. <laughs> and so everyone's like, what are you doing? What, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and the consensus was like, that's really interesting. Oh my gosh, so interesting, Molly. <laughs> oh my God, so do you like stick needles in people? That's so weird. Right. Oh my God. Been There, Injected That is a TMI podcast about going through infertility and all the hormone injections, awkward moments, and nervous breakdowns along the way. I'm Elise Ash. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Been There, Injected That. Today on the podcast, we have our guest, Molly Kubinski, who is a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist at Selby Acupuncture, located in St. Paul, Minnesota, with a new location in Edina. And we are so excited to have you. Thank you for being here, Molly. Thanks, Elise, for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, Molly and I connected through this kind of infertility world here in Minnesota um, and have spoken a couple times. And I've just really appreciated your insight and the approachability you bring to acupuncture. I think sometimes there can be um, a little bit of confusion or some jargon used around acupuncture. And I think you do a really great job of making it approachable and friendly and something that people can easily wrap their head around. Thanks. Yeah. Part of what I want to do for my patients is to be that bridge. So to be that bridge that helps to explain what seems like a more esoteric way of viewing the body vis-a-vis Chinese medicine, but also to be that bridge and help them to understand what their REs are telling them and what their OBs are telling them so that they can feel like they're more of a player in the process and they feel like they can have some some sort of understanding and control over the situation. That's a really important note, I think. I remember when I was going through infertility, um, my acupuncturist became almost like another person on my care team to the same level as my RE, where... I would include her in a lot of the decisions I was making. I'd ask what she thought about a certain protocol. I really wanted to integrate her into a lot of the decisions I was making. Along the journey, I trusted her and felt like she was adding a lot of value and another important voice. And while she didn't replace my doctor, she was definitely an added voice that I valued. Yeah. And I think, too, sometimes like you would get in it, you get a diagnosis, you're so completely blindsided by it and then you're just like kind of swooped up in the process and you oftentimes like they tell you what they're going to do and you just kind of nod your head and say okay okay but you don't necessarily really realize like what's going on what the protocol means and so having somebody in your corner who can explain that and say okay this is why they're doing this this they're picking this because you responded this way on the last cycle. Like that really helps you feel like you know what's going on. So Molly, this is all awesome. I want to take a step back first and talk a little bit about you and talk a little bit about what made you decide to get into this field to start practicing Chinese medicine? What made you decide to become a licensed acupuncturist? And why is this your path? My background, my previous career was more mid middle management corporate america um but my my i have i have a like a deep connection to chinese martial arts and meditation and chinese medicine is really intricately wrapped up in that and because i had it, w- it was such a game changing experience in my own life it really helped me deal with a lot of things that i was struggling with at the time it kind of when i sat down and thought i wanted more meaning in my work and i wanted to 
make a bigger difference in people's lives. Um, and I kind of put two and two together and sort of realized, okay, this is my path. I had friends who were acupuncturists. Um, and when I sat down and asked myself, how do I integrate my own meditation practice and how do I integrate this into something that essentially pays my bills and helps people, um, it, it made perfect sense. So now that you've been doing this for about five years, what do you think some of your favorite parts are of the work that you do and what are some of the parts that you know are a little bit tougher? I think obviously you can say some of the favorite parts are when somebody has a positive pregnancy test after they've been struggling for a long time and the joy that goes along with that. Um, or even if they had super painful periods and suddenly they're not painful anymore um, or their cycle starts to regulate, obviously these things are all um, these things are all awesome and they're super rewarding. Uh the least favorite things, it's hard to call them the least favorite things because they're also like, they're the things that make the work so deeply meaningful. Um, so if things, if a cycle doesn't go the way they planned, if there's a miscarriage, you know, the things that really tug at the heartstrings, but to be able to be there and to be present for them and hold space for them while they cry or while they try to make sense of what happened, um, it's, you know, air quote, the least favorite thing. But at the same time, it's also, you know, it, it's the thing that makes you feel like you're you're there and you're really providing support for someone and being a cheerleader for them. You're in it with them. Yeah. I mean, and I think 100%. that's and I think that's the cool thing, too. Once you talk to a lot of acupuncturists, providers, therapists, like a lot of these people who we as, you know, fertility warriors, people going through this employed to help us yeah it's it's incredible to see how emotionally invested you all become in our stories I think sometimes we feel like oh my god all this is happening to me and this is my story and it is but it's so cool to hear also all of these people who are working for you rooting for you in it with you and who do hold that space for you when the ball bounces your way or doesn't right right okay Molly so let's say that you're at a party with some of your friends and somebody, a friend of a friend comes up to you and is like, what do you do? And you say, I'm a licensed acupuncturist. And then they say, what is acupuncture? What's kind of your like high level explanation of acupuncture in Chinese medicine for just like a random person? I call this the elevator speech. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your elevator pitch for acupuncture? I actually, I went to my 20 year high school reunion, not to give my age, a few years ago. <laughs> and so everyone's like, what are you doing? What, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so I was, you know, probably in practice after uh, for a few years at that point. And, and, and the consensus was like, that's really interesting. Oh my gosh. So interesting, Molly. <laughs> oh my God. So do you like stick needles in people? That's so weird. Right. Oh my God. So acupuncture traces its origins and Chinese medicine traces its origins like back thousands and thousands of years. Acupuncture is essentially based on this idea of meridian theory. So just like we view the body in Western medicine, you have organ systems. Um, organ systems are all still connected by arteries and veins, but also we have these channels or these meridians where energy is flowing through those channels from one organ system to the next, helping to support each one. So the acupuncture points um, essentially represent areas along those channels where we can tap into that energy. It's a little bit more superficial and we can manipulate it. So we can manipulate it in a way that sort of sends subtle signals to 
the body that helps all of your organs perform at their best. And then the more kind of Chinese medicine way of saying that is we're essentially harmonizing the body, harmonizing the blood, harmonizing the energy so that everything flows smoothly. So imagine a river system and everything needs to flow smoothly for the whole ecosystem to work properly. If something is dammed up, then everything downstream isn't going to get enough moisture. It's going to dry up. There might still be water, but the water that's flowing in the channel is mucky and gross. Or let's say it rained too much and there's too much water flowing. Everything's going to get washed out. So the idea is that we, with our needles, we manipulate so we can turn down what's too much, we can turn up what's not enough, and we can move what's stuck. And you can do that for a variety of different things going on in the human body beyond fertility. I mean, I've heard about acupuncture being used to treat migraines, back pain, a bunch of different things beyond, you know, fertility issues. Right. And I treat all that stuff side by side with fertility in my practice. So that leads me to my next question, which is, are all acupuncturists trained to specifically treat infertility? If I just Google acupuncturist near me, is that a good way to find a provider? Or are there people who specialize infertility? Is that something that's more like a marketing thing? Or is that a real um, type of expertise you can develop through acupuncture? So I'm a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. And all of the fellows in our organization, which call ABORM for short, um, all of us have more training in fertility, both from a Chinese medicine standpoint, um, but also from a Western standpoint, too. So we understand a Clomid cycle. We understand IUI cycles with all the different medications that they can do and what we're looking for at the ultrasounds. We understand all of the different IVF protocols and why they're being employed depending upon um, depending upon your diagnosis. So it's much more specialized. Not to say that if somebody doesn't have that background in treating fertility that it won't be beneficial for you, but it wouldn't be as beneficial for you as it would if you were seeing someone who had more specialized training and they know what points they can select that will really kind of get at the root of the issue. Um, And if you're doing herbs, um, what they can give you that might actually help your response. So are there some diseases or diagnoses that acupuncture might be especially helpful in treating when we're looking at infertility diagnoses like PCOS, endometriosis, even male factor? Mm -hmm. You know, what are some of those um, diseases or issues that you might think acupuncture is especially helpful to treat? Well, what I feel like we're super lucky to have now is now that acupuncture gets more and more attention, we have this wealth of studies that actually prove acupuncture's efficacy in treating a number of different things. Um, So first of all, male factor is a huge one. Um, Dudes, y'all are easy. Like we have this, (laughs) women have this whole really, really complex hypothalamic, pituitary, ovarian axis and this like crazy cascade of hormones and things shift from moment to moment, from month to month. Men are, in terms of treating sperm count, motility, morphology, it's pretty simple um, and they respond really beautifully. Um, Beyond that, acupuncture, in my practice, I treat endometriosis and that has been really helpful for my patients for pain. Um, And then if they're moving on to an IUI cycle or an IVF cycle, has also proven to be really efficacious. PCOS um, 
really helpful for regulating the cycle. And again, so like we have this whole kind of bevy of, uh, of research that we can go back to that supports it. Also, another thing I kind of want to touch on, too, is that within an IVF cycle, maybe if somebody's FSH is super high, like we can actually work to get that down. Um, if there's issue with lining, we can help to boost that up. So there's quite a bit that we can actually do in helping people sort of enhance their fertility. So what is an ideal time to start seeing an acupuncturist, you know, as you're trying to build your family as you're learning more? When should you kind of start taking this a little more seriously as an added way to help boost your fertility? And also, how often do you see your patients? And it does, does it depend where they are in their cycle or in their journey? Yeah, I mean, there's the perfect world answer to that, and sure. then there's the real world answer. Well, the perfect to that. answer is, you know, you can quit your job and you can just, you can actually, quote unquote, just relax and hang out and focus and meditate and go to acupuncture every day and spend all your money on only trying to get pregnant. That is perfect. That actually does sound more stressful to me. Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's a lot of it's a lot of energy like focused in one direction. That sounds actually incredibly stressful to me, but also. I like being busy because I have a really busy mind. Uh, and I think I would go nuts if I was only focusing on that. It's important to have some distractionary <laughs> techniques, too, that you, you don't need your mind on that 24-7. Okay, anyway. So um, so what I generally tell my patients in that perfect world scenario, regardless of how you're trying to get pregnant, so if you guys are trying on your own, if you're doing... Um, medicated timed intercourse cycles if you're doing IUI, if you're doing IVF, ideally three months before um, actually trying to conceive, however you're going about it, is sort of um, when we like to start seeing people. And the idea of that is sort of nourish the soil before you plant the seed, to quote um, another acupuncturist named Lauren Brown, who is in Canada and does a lot of great work in fertility. Um, so, like, you're going to plant a garden, right? Like, you can just throw all the seeds in there, put some water down, throw your hands up in the air, and kind of hope for the best. Or you can put your soil amendments in, you can, you know, you can put plant food in, you can choose the best seeds, yada, 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 um, you know, do the things that help to sort of cultivate that that ideal environment for a pregnancy. So we say three months. Um, and then typically, typically I'm seeing people weekly. Um, the idea is that I'm trying to do different things at different points during the menstrual cycle um, and each like each phase of the menstrual cycle supports the subsequent phase of the menstrual cycle. And, you know, sometimes if I have a patient who's going through IVF and let's say they call me up the day they start their shots and they say, well, when's the best time for me to start? OK. And then I say, right, there's the perfect world scenario and then there's real life. So, you know, the best time to start is the time when you can start um, and not to feel like you have to squeeze everything into that like kind of cookie cutter model because you don't need that extra piece of stress. Um, and then I think that kind of, I'm going to go off on a little sidebar here, but um, that sort of brings me to a another thing that I think is important to discuss when we talk about like, how is acupuncture um, effective for fertility? There is a huge stress piece of things. And I don't want to chalk it all up to just relax and everything will be okay. Cause that's not what I'm saying. But like when we talk about stress, and treating stress and how stress affects fertility, 
you have your whole sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight system. It can't tell the difference between I'm working 50 hour weeks. I don't have any time to myself and we really, really want this to happen and it's not working and we're freaking out about it. We really want to have a family. It can't tell the, t- the difference between that and I'm being chased by a bear. Like your, your higher brain can tell the difference, but your body can't. So helping to calm that stress response down and helping to get you into out of that fight-or-flight state into that parasympathetic rest or digest state is ultimately going to help you so much more regardless of how you're trying to go about getting pregnant. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. We live in this world right now where you're sitting in traffic all day and you're getting stressed about the person behind you or trying to merge or you're stressed, you're pissed at someone at work. and Your parents we, are badgering you when you're going to produce a grandchild for the totally. people on the street or like that you don't know or like, oh, were you, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. But of course that, like you said, your body is internalizing that right. stress and doesn't know how to process it necessarily in a really healthy way. So we have to teach our bodies how to do a better job right. of processing that and making space for that. Right. So, I mean, if if you if you just started your stim phase and you haven't been doing acupuncture, it doesn't matter. Like, get some treatment, take care of yourself, help support your body through the process, and you're doing yourself a favor. I want to go off on another little sidebar here, too, just because I feel like this is so important for women. Um, it's It's so easy to fall down that rabbit hole when you get a diagnosis of your FSH is elevated, you have low AMH, you have this, you have that, and then bam, you you immediately become, you know, I am infertile. I have this diagnosis of infertility. I am X. And I want to say you are not your numbers. You are not you are not a sheet of statistics. Um you are you are a beautiful fertile soul and you might need some support to get there and it may not happen in the way that you originally anticipated but everybody can express their fertility in one way or another i think that's a really important point and i think too often we those limiting beliefs are yeah. i mean that can really really resonate on a deep level and can impact a lot of your thoughts which yeah. we all know there is that like mind body connection yeah yeah It's funny because I think there is, you're trying to find what's right for you and what feels authentic to you. I remember also while I was in this rabbit hole of like meditations and um, guided visualizations and I was doing a lot of writing down like, I am fertile, I am a mom, I am blah, blah, blah. And I remember that would vacillate between feeling really nourishing and Mm -hmm. positive and for me feeling really like oh my God, this feels cheesy and stupid and I hate this and this is, feels like a lie and this isn't true and trying to figure out like what feels right for you and knowing also that that changes every day. Yeah, yeah. There's days when you really feel that and there's days where it really just sucks. But yeah, I just, I always, I don't know. I feel, I try so hard every day not to get up on 15 different feminist soapboxes. No, get up on them. <laughs> but I just feel like we do so many women a disservice. Like you go into your OB and she's like, bam, low AMH. Or you go to the RE and they're like, bam, PCOS, bam, endometriosis. There's something wrong with you. 
And, uh, you know, it's just it's 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 really in the West, we tend to really identify with what the doctors say is wrong with us. And, you know, I don't whether you buy into the mind body connection or not, there is a part of you that takes that and, and absorbs it on a subconscious level. And it's really easy to, if you pardon my French, it's really easy to like walk out of a diagnosis like that and 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 feel super, super shitty about yourself. So like I see all the things in my practice. I see the people with the crappy AMH who respond to stim meds like 25-year-olds. I see people with great AMH who don't respond well. Like you never know. You honestly never know. And so don't get caught up with numbers you know we'll be right back so i've spent a lot of time this past year developing awesome relationships with a bunch of different companies who serve ttc warriors and many of them make products like supplements or pregnancy tests or they sell services as well and they're really trying to help people grow their families a lot of these companies are being very generous and offering some incredible discounts to fruitful members and also listeners of Been There Injected That. So if you want to get in on this action, you should visit fruitfulfertility.org deals. There's some really awesome discounts on a bunch of brands you've probably heard of, some really trusted content and stuff, everything from helping with nutrition and fitness to helping track your sperm at home. There is a ton of great stuff on there. So before you buy anything else to try to get pregnant, I highly recommend you visit fruitfulfertility.org deals. And now back to the show. Is all acupuncture considered equal or is it really important to find that particular practitioner who you trust and can build that relationship with over time? That's a great question. Um, so I remember when I was in acupuncture school asking a teacher of mine, I was so nervous, like, am I going to get the diagnosis wrong? Am I going to not know how to do this? Da, 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 da. And he said, you know, even if you get the diagnosis wrong, you'll have a you'll have a good effect. You won't necessarily cure the condition, but you will have a good effect. So um, to some points, like, Allowing yourself some treatment will have a positive effect, but being able to build rapport with somebody and being able to really, really trust that statistically patient outcomes are better when they trust their provider. So if you feel like your provider has a really sound um, knowledge of why your RE is using this protocol and how to support you through it, you're, you're, you're going to have a better result than you would otherwise. I remember when I first started acupuncture and I started with one at one practice and it had been referred to me by my friend who had had a miscarriage and then had worked with this particular person and had gotten pregnant and it had been successful and she loved this person, like loved her. She was like, you have to go see her. It wasn't mm -hmm. convenient for me, but it was like, okay, I'm going to schlep out to whatever suburb and see this person my friend spoke so highly of. And we just were not a good fit, um, and she was great. She did so much help for my friend and so much great work. But for me, she was really strict, and she mm -hmm. was very um, adamant about the changes I needed to make, and it felt like it was adding more pressure to me, and I found that I was getting stressed going to these yeah. acupuncture appointments, and I was like, okay, th I don't think this is the point 
of acupuncture at all to feel anxious going or feel like I don't trust this person. Again, she was super nice and knew her stuff, but it just wasn't a good personality fit for me. And then I did find another acupuncturist who was way more simpatico with my outlook, Mm -hmm. with the changes I did want to make and didn't want to make, was very supportive of me. She was someone who asked all the right questions, who we would sit at the beginning of every appointment and talk for 30 minutes about my cycle, my feelings, what was going on, what was I scared of, what was going well. And then she would practice. And I felt so connected to her. And I think that really helped me and showed me the value of acupuncture beyond, you know, the physical medical part of it as well. Right. And think about like if you see a therapist or any any type of provider that you work with on a regular basis, like you're not necessarily going to meet a therapist and then like, bam, that's it. There, there's, there can be a dating piece of it. I mean, obviously, if you click really well with an acupuncturist right away, that's great. But I mean, there's different providers for different personality types. So what might a first appointment with an acupuncturist look like? What are some of the things you might ask at that very first appointment? So you can expect, just like you do um, at an OB's office or an RE's office, you can expect to fill out paperwork that details health history, reproductive health history. And then you're going to sit down with your provider and you're going to talk to them both about your story. I like when my patients sit down with me, I like to kind of air quote, like, let the volcano explode. I don't want to like guide it necessarily like straight away they come in they've already probably been through the ringer by the time they actually get to doing acupuncture so I want them to feel like they're hard and then I'll start asking questions about the menstrual cycle um, if you have painful periods um, it's kind of some of the TMI stuff like you know what color is the blood is it really cloudy these sorts of things and questions around ovulation so like really obvious stuff maybe if you've sat down with an RE already. Um, But then also the stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think of, um, we discussed too. So how's your sleep? How's your stress level? Also on the level of TMI, although I always say there's no such thing as TMI in my office. Like, (laughs) how are you pooping? Um, You know, like, how are you peeing? These sorts of things, which seem like they're not related, but in fact they are because it's not just about like, it's not just about the diagnosis. It's not just about endometriosis or PCOS or unexplained infertility. It's about this root thing at the at the core of it all from a Chinese medicine standpoint that's causing the branch symptoms, that's causing the branch symptoms of PCOS and endometriosis. So we need to ask those things um, outside of your reproductive health history that help us get a clearer picture of everything because treat the root and the branch will follow. And then once the treatment's over, I feel like everybody gets off the table pretty relaxed and pretty blissed out. So I take the time to Um, walk them up front and sort of go through what I had talked about in terms of treatment plan um, just so they remember because half the time they're like what oh my gosh I remember like especially those first few acupuncture sessions feeling Mm. high yeah yeah like I was like "Um, is it okay for me to drive now (laughs) it's kind of like the drugs without the drugs kind of like eventually it became I I think I just maybe acclimated to it more or I knew what to expect better over time 
But yeah, those first few, I was like, what's happening? Where am I? It's amazing. <laughs> and for me personally, I, you know, I, I have these relationships. I build these relationships with my patients. So usually after the first time I see someone, also because I give them a ton of information at their first appointments, I follow up via email. I sort of detail everything that I went over. You know, I want them to be able to take that home and remember it and not feel stressed out about that, too. So do people ask you all the time, like, oh, my God, is it going to hurt? Are people very worried about, like, the needle part? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody, but people are most nervous about things that they don't know and they don't understand and that's new to them. So that's another thing that I do if I do an intake with a patient and um, – Let's say they've never had acupuncture before. Then I'm taking the time to give them the elevator speech that I just gave you. Um, but I'm also kind of telling them like some of the common things that they might experience with the needles, which are teeny tiny. Like they are, you know, about the size of a hair on your head. So it's not like crazy hypodermic needles. They're very small needles. Um, we're and- very sensitive to the needle thing <laughs> in the TTC community. I feel like we're all traumatized from... Well, yeah, PIO I mean, injections. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, and then you know if they kind of if they've already been through the ringer with that, you know that's actually one of the things. It's not like progesterone and oil. No, <laughs> I promise. Yeah, and most of the time you're not going to feel anything at all, or it might feel a little bit like a mosquito bite. I know one of the barriers to acupuncture can be cost. Yep. Uh, especially in our amazing healthcare system where we never know what is covered, what isn't, what's going to be reimbursed, what isn't, what can you charge to your HSA account or blah, 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 blah. So one of the options I've heard that can be a great option for acupuncture is group acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So group acupuncture is also known as community acupuncture. Um, And there are a lot of providers out there here locally and then also throughout the U.S. that are kind of specialized practitioners of community acupuncture. What that looks like is typically like a common space where you're sharing like a zero gravity lounge or you're not sharing. There's not five people in the same lounge chair, but you're sharing a common space with like five people, each of you kind of in your own lounge chair Um, and, you know, doing what we refer to as distal points. So not points like on the abdomen, but points that are further away from the trunk of the body on the hands, legs, feet, things that are easy to get it with your um, with your clothes still on. And it is um, so a lot of these clinics are sort of like a sliding scale fee, which is really cool um, if you can't necessarily afford or uh, private acupuncture or you don't have insurance coverage. Um, is it as effective? Not necessarily, but stacked up against no treatment at all. It's it's much, much more effective. I know some fertility clinics actively recommend you find an acupuncturist, especially for an embryo transfer. I remember for our frozen embryo transfer, we had an acupuncturist who actually came to our clinic and performed acupuncture right right before the transfer and then following immediately after. Right. Um, Why do you think they do that? So uh, what that acupuncturist did, um, and 
that clinic is super forward thinking and super awesome for doing that. And what that acupuncture di- acupuncturist did is what's called the Polis Protocol. So um, there was a study done in 2001, 2002. Um, I think it was 2002. It was a German doctor who was actually also an acupuncturist who took 160 women and 80 of them had acupuncture before and after embryo transfer um, and 80 of them did not. And what they discovered was that in the acupuncture group, 40% of them, or excuse me, in the acupuncture group, um, there was a 40% higher rate of pregnancy um, and a higher rate of ongoing pregnancies. So this is like one of the first, it was, and actually it's like, as far as the medical community is concerned, it's really the gold standard of studies. It was a double blind, um, double blind trial. And it really got the RE's attention and it really kind of cast a spotlight on the work that we can do as acupuncturists that being said so like that's fantastic and typically speaking like just being able to do that really you know really reduces stress which obviously is you know kind of a little bit of a thing on the day of your transfer um (laughs) that's why they give you a Valium too right yeah Yeah. (laughs) also very effective And then since then, there's been like a number of different studies that have come out. And some of them say, yes, acupuncture helps on day of transfer. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. And so like it's you see like all the different things. One thing that I think is really important to bear in mind, if you are a research based person and I know you're out there, um, (laughs) is that, you know, that is that was a fantastic study. And we're also talking about IVF in uh, 2002, which has come a long way since then. So um, what we have discovered through more research is, yes, that is still super effective, uh, acupuncture pre and post transfer, um, but also the period leading up to stim and retrieval. So that three month period where we can actually do a lot of work, which might make the difference in how you do or don't respond to medication. So do you have, Molly, any specific recommendations you make to patients on how they could change their lifestyle or things that they could be doing while they're getting treated for acupuncture to help boost their odds of fertility? Yeah. I mean, there's the stuff that is kind of all common sense that your OB or your RE has already told you, like, don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't drink all the time, don't drink soda all the time. Eat your vegetables and these sorts of things, which are very important. From a more Chinese medicine standpoint, um, one of the things that we'll recommend to our patients, which they're like, what? You want me to do that? Is to actually um, like avoid raw vegetables, focus your diet more on cooked vegetables, um, and uh, avoid cold beverages. And the way you want to think about that is like internally in the body. Again, this is like the more woo-woo Chinese medicine way of of viewing the body, um, which you know I say woo-woo, but at the same time, like there's there's a lot of ancient wisdom to this, and I kind of just feel like I feel like I'm everybody's grandma telling them like how to prepare their body. But um, so we want the inside of our body to be warm. We want the uterus and the womb to be warm. So we put things in our body that are warm to help that. And like, you know, wear socks, keep your feet warm. Like don't wear flats in January, these sorts of things. Is that like the soups and like bone broth thing? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Bone broth we just like because it's especially beef bone broth is it's like a really rich source of a lot of uh, different amino acids that are essentially building blocks of blood. So 
Um, we'll talk about blood deficiency a lot in Chinese medicine, and it's not like a one-for-one, one, you're blood deficient, you're anemic. It's not that. It's not just quantity. It's also quality of the blood. So, you know, if, like, your periods are brown and thick and sludgy, it might not be getting the best quality of blood to to your uterus and ovaries compared to, like, fresh red Acupuncturists seem to be obsessed with blood. Like it's very like vampire vampire diaries. Oh, and poop. Yeah, I'm all about the blood and poop. <laughs> so one of my patients once said to me, every time I see rabbit turds, I think of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Molly, you work at a practice called Selby Acupuncture in St. Paul, Minnesota, new location in Edina. Um, what differentiates your practice from some other providers? So I would say what differentiates us is we are a women's health um, and fertility-centered practice. Well, we treat everything that comes through the door for sure, but um, most of us have a, a deep and long background in treating women's health and fertility and also um, male reproductive health as well. We've built relationships with uh, local OB and RE practices, so we work integratively with them. We can, in some in some cases, we can be on site with you for embryo transfer, which is huge for our patients. And then also too, like because we put so much work into a fertility practice, we're also able to address the things that come up in pregnancy and childbirth. And and to some points, too, because we we see those things so much, we know how to speak to them and we know how to provide support to our patients when things aren't going the way that they planned. I think that's a great point in all of this. I think fertility patients are a special breed. Yeah, and yeah. we are kind of going through a lot of our own stuff. And it's just really important to assemble a care team who you feel like can speak your language, who see your pain and can sit with you in it. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming, Molly. I really appreciate you coming here and explaining more about acupuncture to us and the human body and really getting into what makes our body so strong and awesome and capable. And I just really appreciate your point of view. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me uh, stand up on my soapbox. I love it. You can come here and use my soapbox. There are, there are tons in this room. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks. That was Been There, Injected That. It is a new podcast produced by Fruitful Fertility, hosted by myself, Elise Ash. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, please rate us, check out our website, send us an email, let us know what you're liking, what you're not liking, what you want more of, what you want less of. This is something new to us and we are just excited to be helping spread the word. So thank you so much.